Good morning. Welcome to Psachim Nun Gimel, Psachim page 53. We're continuing our discussion of the Shemitah produce and the time of the Bior, the time of the destruction. What this means is as follows. During the Shemitah year, even though you cannot take the produce to do business with it, to sell it, but you are allowed to uh, use it for your personal use. You can feed it to your animals. Um, as long as it's out there in the field for, for animals to take, for wild animals to take, you can take it for yourself. You can hold it in your house and you could consume it. But once it's depleted from the fields, it's called the Shasa beer, then according to some opinions, you actually have to destroy it. According to other opinions, you just have to take it out to your house, out of your house, so everybody is allowed to uh, take it equally. But we try to figure out what exactly is the precise moment of the Shasa beer, of the time when it's depleted in the fields. So it depends. We taught say that for grapes, it's a special place called Ocha, where the grapes would be there longer. That's the last time that it's okay. Um, olives is until there, there are no more olives in Tokoa. Basically, we, we name um, the place that has that particular kind of produce, the latest in the season, and that will be the time that it's that it's set by. Um, we continue and we talk about uh, dates are as long as there are what's called these uh, unpu- unmature, half-mature dates in Beitini, that's sufficient, but others disagree and say, no, those are not actually considered fruit regarding this pr- this principle. Um, the Gemara goes on and says, you know, some sources talk about signs like until these things are done from that place. But then there's a whole other price which gives an actual just straight out time, like either Hanukkah or Purim. And the Gemara answers that uh, either you can say that it's the same one, that, that when are they gone from a particular place, that's Hanukkah or Purim. Or you could say that really the the default time is Hanukkah or Purim. But if you happen to see that there are pro, that there's produce in the fields of that particular place, then you're actually allowed to go a little bit a little bit further. Uh, the next mission talks about the idea of continuing the theme of Makam Shinohagu. That's the name of our parak. And we have a whole list of Mishnais that say in the place where the custom is to do X, you're allowed to do it. But if it's not the custom to do it, you can't do it. So we say the halacha is that a behemagasa, a large animal, like let's say a cow, uh, you're not allowed to uh, sell to a non-Jew. And the reason why is because we're afraid that if you sell to the non-Jew, you might come to rent it or lease it to a non-Jew. And then it's your animal and it's in the non-Jew's possession and he's going to actually be using it on Shabbos. And that's actually a problem. But the question is, do we have to make a Xero decree that you can't even sell a behemadaka, a small animal like a sheep or a goat? And we say in the place where they have the custom not to do it, you shouldn't do it. But the place where they do sell it, you are allowed to do it. Uh, however, even when it comes to large animals, uh, if it's an animal that's a shvurin, an animal that's shavur, that's that's really uh, damaged, that's harmed, and it cannot actually do work in the field, you're obviously going to just shecht it right away anyways. The nanju will shecht it right away, and therefore it's permitted to sell it to him because he's not going to violate Shabbos with it. And also uh, a sus, a horse can be sold to a nanju because horses are that you ride them, which is not actually a malach on Shabbos. It's true, it's a shvus, it's a rabbinic prohibition because you might come to break off a branch. However, since it's not a biblical prohibition, non-Jews are certainly allowed to ride a horse on Shabbos, and therefore you can sell non-Jewish, non-Jews horses. Uh, the next makum shenagu is the custom where they actually eat roasted meat on the, on, on the night of the Seder. You're allowed to do it, but places where you're not allowed to do it, you can't do it. Now, what's this whole issue? Well, the Gemara talks about todos ish romi, this todos from Rome, where he instituted a practice in this in Rome, this is after there was no longer the carbon paste after the base of English was destroyed, and he was still having a custom that people would roast the entire lamb uh, with its entrails over a fire, just like they used to do before. And the rabbis say, Todos, had you not been a prominent person 
we would actually put you in, in, in Cheyrim. And the Gemara basically says that if it's roasted within its entrails, even if you don't say that this meat is for the Pesach, it could be a problem. Um, however, if it's not roasted in that way, it's just, you know, a piece of roasted meat, then it might only be a problem if you say this meat is for the carbon Pesach. In this context, the Gemara does try to figure out, well, why was Todos a great person that they didn't want to put him in Cheyrim? Was it because he was prominent, he was a great person, or is it because he was a scary person, he was very powerful? And Gemara says, you know what? He was a great person. Why? And they quoted Russia. He said, think about Hanana Mishal Vazarya, who were willing to jump themselves into the fiery furnace in order to not um, bow down to Nabodazara during the times of the Nuchanetzar. Um, how did they come up with that idea? Well, they made a Kavachomer. If the frogs during the plague of, of Tzvardea, which actually is this week's Parsha, Parsha's Ve'era, if the frogs, they said, look, they're not obligated to be Mekadashem Shemayim to sanctify God's name but they were still willing to jump into the burning hot ovens in order to make the Egyptians' life miserable. So we, who are obligated to Mekai Shem Shema, we certainly should be willing to jump into the fire. So we see he's a darshan, he's a expounder of Torah, so therefore that's why he was great, or is because he actually gave merchandise to Torah scholars so they can make business and they can do their own job. That's the final mission we talk about says that uh, in the that every that, that some people Dafka had candles on Yom Kippur night, and some people Dafka did not. They both were trying to do the same thing, which was prevent sexual relations on Yom Kippur night. One custom thought that it's better to have candles because since you're not allowed to sex with candle with light, that'll make you refrain from having sex. The other one thought it's better not to have candles because if you have candles, then people will see their spouses and be turned on, sexually turned on, and want to have sex on Yom Kippur, and therefore that's a problem. Uh, we'll stop our daf over here. Continue tomorrow with daf mundal.